Beloved brothers and sisters, dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. We ask once again Allah Azza wa Jal, we thank Him for blessing us this opportunity to sit together in His house <clears throat> to go over some verses of the Quran. And with this conviction and yaqeen, we sit that these are the words of Allah, in it lies the secrets of the world, in it lies all the answers to the questions of the world, and in it lies our guidance and the guidance of humanity. And this is, this is where this, our solutions lie. I ask Allah to increase us in our conviction in the uh, power of the Qur'an. And I ask Allah to open up our hearts and minds to the secrets and the beauty of the Qur'an. I ask Allah to allow myself and all of us here that whatever we are listening and sharing, may He allow us to immediately put into practice, propagate it to others, and <clears throat> utilize this opportunity to rejuvenate our faith. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Whatever intention anyone is coming here with what, le- trying to learn something, may Allah Azza wa allow them to gain more than they have anticipated and allow them to leave this gathering recharged and energized, having their uh, questions answered, their doubts removed, and their, their needs of this world and the next being fulfilled. Amin Rabbil Alameen. We are on our third lesson of Surah Al-Mu'minun. And the first lesson we covered um, the, uh, the description and the meaning of Falah, success in detail. In the second section, session, we discovered and discussed uh, the attributes from amongst the attributes of the people who are successful. The number one attribute of these people of Iman is Salah. So what does it mean to have a proper Salah? And what are the qualities of a Salah? And uh, how we can improve our concentration that was discussed last week. Inshallah, we will just be discussing the remaining attributes of the people of, of Iman today. Allah Azza wa says in the third ayah regarding the people of belief, if you may remember, we talked about the fact that believers are successful. It's a very general statement. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He further clarifies and He adds attributes and qualities of the people of belief. So that this da'ira and this circle of believers starts becoming shrinking. It starts shrinking. Because the more qualities you add, it's like you're adding a filter. So we have to make sure by the time we're done, all, we, we fall into that category that has all the filters checked off. Right? Even if one of them doesn't get checked off, uh, we're not going to fall into that category. That's the scary part. So we have to make sure that these qualities, if we don't have it in us, we should be sitting here, I should be, all of us, that, Ya Allah, please create this sifa. Please create this attribute within myself, my family, and so forth. So first one here is uh, today's, the third one we're doing, uh, well, a third ayah and second attribute, وَالَّذِينَهُمْ عَنِ اللَّهُوِ مُعْرِضُونَ That uh, indeed those who are unfailingly turned away from any vile talk they hear. This is a, f- a sifat of a believer. So what is lahu? Some say, اللَّهُ الشَّيْءُ الْمُبَاحَ الَّذِي لَا جَدْوَى فِيهِ مِنْهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ It's something permissible in which there is no benefit for the akhirah. Something permissible, even if it's permissible, but there is no benefit in the long run, is called lagu. Yani, when something is haram, that's obviously, and not even a, that's not even a, dis, a point of discussion. Lagu is something which is of no benefit to you in the long run. 
Haram, a believer, is, is miles and miles away. Right? Hundreds of miles away. But when it comes to lahu as well, a person is staying away. Allah says, إِنَّمَا حَرَمَ عَلَيْكُ وَالْمَيْتَةَ وَالْدَّمَا وَالْأَحْمَ Indeed, Allah has made uh, dead the, de- uh, the meat of a dead animal or a um, blood or the, meat, uh, the flesh of, of, a, of the meat of a, uh, a pig and all the other things there, flowing blood, etc., are all haram. Allah says, Indeed, any type of intoxicant, any type of uh, gambling, uh, 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 these things are all uh, impermissible. They are filth from shaitan, fashtanibu, so stay away from it. So that's what is haram. But we're talking about lahu, those things which are permissible but do not assist you in building your akhirah. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam he would not say much poetry at all, stay away from it. But then he would say, Asdaqu kalimatin qalha shair, kalimatul labid. The most truthful statement that any poet has ever said is the statement and the poet of the statement of the poet Labid. And that statement is Ala kullu shayin ma khalallahu batilu. That listen, anything and everything besides Allah is useless. Everything besides Allah is useless. Batilis means void of any benefit. There is no long-term benefit. Because the only being that shall remain forever is Allah. And everything else besides Allah, kullu shay'in halikun illa wajha. Everything will come to absolute uh, destruction. Everything will be destroyed. Everything will come to an end except for the continence of Allah. مَا عِنْدَكُمْ يَنْفَدْ وَمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ Whatever you have will come to an end. Whatever is with Allah shall remain. Since Allah is there, was there, will always be there. He was the first without being preceded by anything. He's the last without having anything come after him. He was there when nothing was there. He will be there when nothing will be there. So anything that is connected with Allah also remains forever. Because Allah is staying forever. And Allah was there forever. So anything you connect with Allah will also have longevity. Meaning, this is the, what the verse says. Whatever you have is going to come to an end because you and I are fanny. We came here to die. As the poet says, Give birth for death. Give birth for death. Isn't this true? Every single child that comes in this world, the clock starts ticking. Every single day, he is getting closer to his death. As soon as he's born, the clock begins to tick for his life on earth. So the poet says, give birth for death. Because the end result is going to be death. lil kharabi And build. Build all you want. Structures are beautiful things. Lil kharabi, But build with, <laughs> for the purpose of destruction. Because whatever goes up must come down. Whatever is built must come to an end. So this is called lamul aqiwa, The lamb of ending. What is the end of every birth? Is death. What's the end of every beautiful new structure? Is it to become rubble and dust. So here we have... Uh, 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 the poet saying everything besides Allah is useless so thou, the Quran is saying whatever you have will come to an end whatever is with Allah will be forever so if a person wants to remain forever he wants his he, wants his, he, loves, some, he loves his money and he says I love this I want it to be with me all the time the only way to love that to, uh, to have it all the time is what? to send it forth in the akhirah that's why one person came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said Ya Rasulullah I don't want to go to the akhirah 
so true, right? How many of us would be saying the same thing? I, am, I love the Akhirah, but I'm not excited about going to the Akhirah. What should I do? Rasulullah then gave him such a beautiful example. He said, a man likes to be with his luggage. He likes to be with his things. If you sent your things to the hereafter, naturally you will be inclined to leave to the hereafter. He said, I have nothing here. There's nothing here. If you look at, um, subhanAllah, many people were preparing for death. Uh, that's what they do. They just give everything away. I remember we went to one scholar's house long, long ago. My parents were there too, subhanAllah, in South Africa. And we entered the house, and uh, to his left was a whole big, big, big chunk, or big box of ithers. And we're wondering, what is this? As soon as he entered the home. So his family was saying, you know, the, uh, the auntie was saying that, you know, that my husband has pulled out everything he has. He's preparing for death. So he keeps everything here. He says, what am I going to do with the ithar collection of 50 ithars or whatever? Now I'm, I'm getting ready to pass away. And when it comes, I gives him a couple bottles. Right? Just reducing all the stock. Right? Liquidating it. That's what you're doing. Liquidating, preparing for the hereafter. You're sending it to the hereafter. When you give a gift, you're sending it to the hereafter. Your favorite ithar, you're going to get it over there. Whatever you have, you give it, you'll get it back in a manner that it will never perish, never come to an end. Another person says about investments. Uh, what should I do? Nabi Wasallam asked him, you want to invest in something that doesn't burn? That doesn't get stolen? That doesn't get drowned? Because all of the you know, ships and all these other things, they were got affected by all sorts of natural disasters. So what, what type of investment is that? So that's investment in the Akhirah. When a person invests in the Akhirah, then that will be ultra safe. The safest investment. Think about that. Everyone's talking about investments. Now, what's the safest investment with the highest return? Is the investment in the Akhirah. Allahu Akbar. Right? So they guess why? Allah is baqi. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, anything sent to him will remain baqi. That's how it is. So, <clears throat> like a person is about to jump over a sea. Uh, no, sorry, river. You're supposed to jump over a creek. Maybe you can say it like that. Now, with all the luggage that you have, there's no way you're going to be able to make that jump. If you carry suitcases in your hand, you're going to drown. There's no way you're going to make the, be able to make the leap. The only way is either you eat it, eat it, eat it. How much are you going to eat? How much are you going to dig and build over there? The smart way is you somehow, one after another, you take things and you throw it across. Throw it across. Throw it across. Until you've got, you threw everything you had across the river, across the creek, across the stream. And then now when you're free at last, you make that one big leap. And so Abu, Abu Darda radiallahu anhu, he used to live a very simple life. And Umm Darda, the wife said, you know, she wouldn't. Say, Abu Darda, you, you don't keep anything extra in the home. Such a simple, bare minimum, minimalistic life you are leading. Like, you know, can we have this? Can we have that? Natural, the wife would begin to ask the husband like this. So what did he, what did he have in his mind? He had the, uh, in his mind the ayats of Surah Balad. ما أدركم العقبة ما أقبة فكر رقبة He says, the aqaba, the valley that you and I have to pass, is very deep, is very high. You go down and up the mountain. The, the climb is very steep. The journey is very long. And carrying all of this burden is too heavy. I'm scared we won't be able to cross it with all of this luggage. That's why I'm trying to be light. Ask anyone who goes cross country, camping, hiking, uh, running, whatnot, how they carry. Someone like me who might, doesn't have an experience, say, oh, we might need this, and we might need this, we might need this, we might need that. And this guy suffers the most. Ask anyone who's gone camping, ask anyone in, who in walking jamaat, whatever the case may be. The person who carries the most suffers the most. It's very hard. You want to carry light. It becomes easy for you to move forward. Eventually you have to start leaving things. And then leaving it in the middle of the journey is painful. You should have just left it at home. 
So subhanAllah, this is dunya, one three-day camping you go for, or walking on, you know, hiking. Imagine going to the akhirah. So Abu Darda is telling his wife, that I don't have the capacity to sit there hiking and going through the, uh, the, the, the valleys of, of akhirah to get to Jannah. It's too steep. I cannot be carrying this burden of material things of this world. That is why I like to remain light. Right? So may Allah give us the faham of this. And so we are talking about law. What is that law? Is that anything that is besides the anything that is besides something that will keep you connected to the akhirah and something that is going to keep you in the remembrance of Allah is law. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam's ahadith on this are many regarding you know various types of, of, of law. Famous hadith of Tirmidhi related by Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. Min husni islam al mar'i tarkuhu malayani. It is the beauty of a believer, the beauty of the Islam of a man, that he leaves those things which do not concern him. Someone who comes to the masjid, he doesn't look right, he doesn't look left, he doesn't look up, he comes, he prays, he does a dhikr, he does his dua, he smiles at someone, he shares a few things, he puts a couple dollars in sadaqah, picks up the dirt that he may see there, and he walks away. Without getting involved in this discussion, that discussion. There's always discussions happening in the parking lot, lobby, this, that, all sorts of things. But I came here to pray. I came here to connect myself with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why should I come here and backbite? Why should I come here and carry tales? Why should I come here and falsely accuse someone? Subhanallah, this is shaitan who misleads a person, goes to the haram, goes to the masjid, and instead of benefiting, he ends up harming himself because of the things he gets involved in. This is the beauty. This is a real Muslim that you should look up to and we should aspire to become. A person who does not put his nose where it doesn't belong. And he stays away from any and all other discussions. He asks himself before he speaks, is this going to be beneficial? Think what I'm about to say. I'm about to pass a comment about your jacket, about your car, about your child, about your home. Ask yourself, is there some benefit in this? In the akhirah, in the dunya, something. Will he get happy? Or is this a random uh, you know, attack on someone's honor? Attack on someone's belongings? Making fun of someone, tit for tat. He said something to my son. I got to say something to him today. A person needs to be always aware of this. That do not say something which is irrelevant. Many, many times you go sit with people to just enjoy a cup of coffee with them or chai. Most of the time I would say, the discussions immediately become irrelevant. And if not absolutely harmful and sinful, but most definitely irrelevant. Notice even on the night of, 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 in nights of Ramadan, just walk around, whether here or anywhere else, at home or in some masjid, people drinking chai, people eating, and you just say, what are you talking about? You're in the masjid, it's 27th night of Ramadan. What is the discussion about? Random stuff. Someone's talking about stocks. Someone's talking about Pakistan politics. Someone's talking about Saudi politics. Someone's talking about soccer. Someone's talking about the latest uh, you know, issue in, 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 in something else. What is this? What does this have to do with anything? And more so on the last final nights of Ramadan in the house of Allah. Why are we speaking about this? This is why we have a major problem in our masajid. The, the fact that there's so much useless lagu talk happening. And that's why Shaykh Zakari rahmatullahi alayhi, he would have a rule. You, you want to come do i'tikaf? You don't, I'm not going to force you to do this month dhikr, this month Quran, this, you can do whatever you want. You can sleep also. But one thing you cannot do is talk. Out of line, unnecessarily. This is where it all adds up. Talking, most of the time for most people who are not, who haven't trained their tongue, ends up becoming useless, harmful talk. 
if a person can simply learn how to zip it up and force himself to stay in an, air, in an environment where he's not allowed to speak. You have to wean yourself off of talking unnecessarily. And to train ourselves to say, just like we put, watch what you eat, they say. Don't just randomly snack. If you have to eat, eat a proper meal, no problem. But don't randomly snack. Similarly, if you have to speak, you can give a one hour talk, no problem. You can do a one hour presentation at work, no problem. But make sure that we are not just randomly throwing comments every two minutes, which are not only uh, irrelevant, but at many, many times also sinful. And this ruins everything. So if we want to, some, we say, how do I become a better believer? The way you become a better believer is that you don't ask about things that are not relevant to you. And if someone also says something, then don't ask further questions about it. Right? Just act as though you don't care. And this reminds us of the sifat of the believers mentioned in 19th juz in Surah Al-Furqan, last page. وَعِبَادُ Rahman, The servants of the Rahman. Many of you know this passage of the beautiful passage of the Quran. وَعِبَادُ الرَّحْمَانِ الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ هَوْنَا وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا وَالَّذِينَ يَبِيتُونَ لِرَبِّهِمْ سُجَّدًا وَقِيَامًا وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا صْرِفْ عَنَّا عَذَابَ جَهَنَّمَ إِنَّ عَذَابَهَا كَانَ غَرَامًا this, uh, These ayats go on and Allah Azza wa Jal mentions there what, that these people with مَرُّوا بِاللَّغْوِ مَرُّوا كِرَامًا Whenever they pass by law, يعني a gathering of law, they act as though they didn't see it. Very, uh, in a very dignified manner, they walk by it as they don't see. Meaning some people are uh, doing something haram. Allah forbid someone is, 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 is dressed inappropriately, someone is, is, is fulfilling their lust billah, on the street somewhere. What would a believer do? Would a believer look? Would a believer engage? Would a believer walk over there? Absolutely not. You act as though you never saw. And you ignore it. That is a sign of a believer. That whenever evil things happen, lewd things happen, naturally, for sure, but even unnecessary discussions are happening around you in a coffee room, in the break room, uh, in, the, in, in the walima, in any other gathering like that, you simply ignore it. You just go act like I gotta go fill up my... In the table, people are speaking nonsense. Well, people, you can't tell much to people anymore. So, you say, I gotta get a refill. And you go get a refill, go sit somewhere else. Right? That's the whole point. Because you have to, number one, protect yourself. And most of us, frankly, are not in a situation where you can control the table. I was asking the students the other day, in one of the classes, how many can you uh, can control the conversation on the table? If you can control the conversation on the table, then... MashaAllah, by all means, go and do, what, do your work. But most are not. And the truth, they only maybe two raise their hand. And the rest, they said, no, for you, you are right now not strong enough to be able to go in environments that are not absolutely kosher and halal. Because instead of going changing the conversation towards khayr, you'll end up getting dragged in and just nodding your head because you don't want to be awkward. So you just nod your head. And you are giving your approval to whatever nonsense is being discussed because you're too scared to speak up and say, I, don't, I disagree with you. This is wrong. You cannot do this. You cannot speak evil about someone. You cannot attack someone's integrity. You cannot attack ilm. You cannot attack scholars. You cannot attack Quran. So mo- many people or most people do not have the backbone to stand up and say, this is wrong. Like Umar radiallahu anhu. May Allah make us like him. Say ameen. You're scared to say even ameen. Ya Allah. Oh, you see, someone's going to hear this. Me say ameen, huh? Right? May Allah Azza wa Jalla grant us the ability to be able to speak the truth all the time. As the Quran says, لا يخافون لو These are the true people who are not afraid of anyone casting blame on them. They don't care. People blame me, no problem. I have to do what's right. 
I have to do what's right. You can say whatever you need to say. Definitely the way we present it and the way we control the situation has to be based on hikmah. That's another important thing, boys, brothers, and adults. We have to do hikmah. Imam Ghazali writes about this. He says, to speak to an ahmaq, to a fool who is not going to listen to you, and who is going to distort what you say, and who is stubborn, who is uh, you know, arrogant, and to stand up and speak the truth to him, in reality, this is not smart. Because you know when you start speaking to him, it's, gonna only, tr- it's only going to become uh, you know, uh, very, uh, what you call, uh, it's, the conversation is going to become very tough, and uh, insults are going to be hurled at one another, and things will go out of hand, anger, people get flared up. This is not the time to speak the truth. Imam Ghazali writes in his Bidayat al-Hidayah, that sometimes shaitan thinks he deceives a person. He deceives a person saying, you are Omar, you need to speak the truth. This is what Imam Ghazali says. He said, this, there's a place to speak the truth. Sometimes you shouldn't speak, you just get out of there. Because you speaking there will only cause a greater harm. It will only cause a greater retaliation. It is like you're taking a stick and hitting the beehive. What's the benefit of that? What was the pur- purpose of that? You just move on. You don't try to go walk, there's a beehive, let me take that one out. And let me take that one out. No, you move on. So when people are, uh, this, have this type of attitude, then you don't... You do, this is what إِذَا خَاطَمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا When the ignorant people try to mess with you, argue with you, start a discussion, start a debate, Nini Mahaps are discussion gonna jada. No, but I don't have time for discussion. You just gotta move on. Literally, you have, we have to learn how to say no to discussions. Are you scared? You can, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. So I learned it the hard way. Every masjid's got a couple of people, you know, who, are, who, are, who love to do these type of discussions, which are usually based on pure negativity. Just bashing on people, attacking, assailing people's character, character assassination. So now, some, some masajid across the country travel more than once, you know. So I figured those out. So I have to tell people, listen, if someone see me talk, if you see, you talk, if you, if you see them talking to me a little bit more than necessary, five minutes, then khalas, you got to get me out of this. I say, bye, the car is waiting, let's get out. Because that's what happened. I want to be respectful, but it's going nowhere. If all you can speak every time I come around is how all the khatibs are irrelevant, all the imams are useless, and all the masjid boards are bekar and useless, and all you do is just <laughs> you know, speak evil about people. And the question is, Hazrat, what have you done? What are you doing? Besides bashing everyone. I come once a year and you just bash people. I'm sure this is your routine every day. It is their routine every day. This is what they do. That's what they're good at. And they don't realize that somehow they're wasting their life. Every single day just carrying around toxicity, negativity. This is not how a believer is. A believer not only doesn't speak like this, but if someone is speaking like this, we move away. If someone is doing riba and attacking people, we move away. You said, this, I am not that individual you're speaking about. If you have a problem, go speak to that individual. Imagine if we all became like this. What would happen? All these people who are carrying around this garbage, and this filth, and this habit of backbiting, they will soon they will lose their audience. They will have no one to speak with. And then either they will stop talking or they'll repent. So we need to all not just not backbite and not do gossip, but we have to also not give, become an audience to anyone who's doing so. That's what Nabi alayhi salam said, Ahadul Muqtabain, that the one who listens, if, if I remember correctly the hadith, that if a one who listens to another one backbiting, Ahadul Muqtabain, he is one of the two backbiters. You, you say, I never said a word. But you simply sipping your coffee and listening to someone backbite, you're one of the backbiters. Such an important thing today, when people filled with jealousy or anger speak ill about one another, we cannot give them an audience. We have to walk away, move away. This is part of the law that Nabi alayhi salatu warned us. 
And the Quran says, Ibadur Rahman. Who are the Ibadur Rahman? Two attributes. When they pass by lahu, they pass by honorably. You got that? They look like they act like as though they didn't see anything. And number two, when ignorant people who want to mess with them, want to fight with them, want to push them, want to argue with them, want to cause a fuss, when they speak to them, qalu salama. This is assalamu alaikum. I gotta go. Assalamu alaikum. And they move on. This is called salamul wida. Right? Salam of departure. And they do not engage. Uh, with people who are saying things. <coughs> Safiya radiallahu anha, one of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What happened with her? Right? She was there and one of the, another wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said regarding her um, that she made an ishara, she made a gesture with her hand. That Safiya, oh, you're talking about the short one? Like this, she made a gesture with her hand. Ta'ni qasira, she didn't verbally even say it. So you're talking about the short one. About her co-wife. And the Prophet ﷺ said, That indeed you have said such a statement, so bitter that if it were to be mixed with the water of the oceans, it would have overpowered it. This one gesture in which you are doing ghiba and backbiting about another lady who's your co-wife and saying that she's short is such a bitter statement. How many things like this come out of her mouth every day? This is this one sin. If Allah doesn't forgive us, we're all gone. Right? So we have to ask Allah to really protect us from this horrible uh, mistake. Nabi said in the narration of, of uh, mentioned in Jamia Sagheer and from Hussein Ali. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves great things. And Allah dislikes lowly things. So that's the, 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 the model for a believer. We speak, we speak like lo- about lofty ideas. We do things that are grand. We stay away from useless, petty talk. And we also, of course, stay away from useless, lowly things. As a believer, we live with, with an honor and waqar. That someone looks at us and says, this man is a general. Like someone is looking at a, a senior general of the army. You, have, you expect this man is a four-star general. Every statement of his must be weighed. He's probably very serious in nature. Say a Supreme Court ju- justice. This person has got this waqar around him. He's got this dignified manner. He doesn't just randomly say things. Every single thing is weighed before he says. Right? That's a judge. Th- that's what we all are. Every single one of us as a believer, as a representative of Rasulullah on, on this earth, we don't speak out of line. We don't do things out of line. Everything is... Well thought, meticulously planned. Our actions, our words. Every da'wah, you get invitation. Can you come over here? Can I meet you? Can, are you available? Let's look. What is the benefit of this invitation? Seriously. What is the benefit of this invitation that I'm getting? Is it going to help me my dunya or akhirah or none? If you know an invitation that you're getting is going to be filled with useless talk, yes, you're going to have a burger together. Yes, you're going to have some steaks together. But besides that, 9 out of 10... People are disconnected from the deen, disconnected from the masjid, and the talk is going to be rubbish. It's going to waste three, four hours of your time, which you could have spent with your family. You could have spent performing salah, dhikr, dua. You could have spent cleaning out your garage. You could have spent making money to spend in good things. And what happened? Four hours like this, wind for a useless get-together for lunch, in which no one statement of Allah and His Rasul has been mentioned. You know what the Prophet ﷺ said? Any gathering in which Allah's name is not taken, and salawat upon the Prophet ﷺ are not done, كَانَ عَلَيْهِ تِرَةً يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ That majlis will be, that gathering and meetup will be a source of remorse on the Day of Judgment.
Did you hear what I said? Any gathering, any meetup in which Allah's name is not taken, sunnah, salawat upon the Prophet are not mentioned, that gathering will become a burden, will be a liability on the Day of Judgment. Then why'd you show up there? No, let's start going. We don't have time for classes. We don't have time for durus. Because we have all these appointments. You tell someone Saturday night, we're going to have a, a dars or a talk. Say, brother, I'm booked. Ramadan nights, we're booked 29 nights for iftars. What is that iftar about? Being honest. What is the discussion on the iftar? Iftar, why we're supposed to, in the month of Ramadan, is a month of hunger. It's a month when you feel the pain of hunger. It's supposed to curb the shahawat. Curb the lustful desires. You're supposed to remember the poor. But we know. Average Muslim, you know, in our country, gains weight in Ramadan, ends up definitely serving, if not eating, probably many eating also, but serving and seeing more food than he's ever done is 11 months. Completely missed the whole point. So what are these iftar parties? Iftar parties are a bunch of gatherings in which more than usual, that missing the yani, salah with jama'ah in the masjid, and wasting valuable time of Ramadan, in not just overeating, but in useless, vain talk. So you have to ask yourself, do you have to accept every da'wat? You have to be, you, just like that, if anyone gives you something to eat, what do you look? Nutritional information, halal, haram, what is this? Looks weird. Brother, just taste it. Nah, it's okay, I'll pass. Why is it that every party we just get, oh, we gotta invite it, I have to go. This is the only time we remember sunnah. Brother, it is necessary to accept the da'wat of a, All the other faraiz we forgot. The only sunnah we remember by that same hadith al Muslim al Muslim Ayadatul Marid. How many people have you visited who are sick so far in this past month, in this past year? Right? How many what else is there? That there is respond to his salam. al janaz. How many janazas are we following? Not just showing up to the salat al janazah, how many qabrs are we visiting and, and participating in the graveyard? The Shemitul Atis, of course, saying Alhamdulillah to someone, to someone who sneezes. One thing we remember the whole deen is show up to every single walima, wedding, sanchak, mendi, iftar party, graduation party, b- 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 what you call, fulan, this thing, that thing, anything, invitation, I have to go. For what? Ask yourself, is this even legit? The basis of this, if this is a Hindu custom, this is the problem. Our community is so sucked up in it. There's a few people who are doing wrong, fine. But what happens to all of the rest of us? who come, sit in gatherings of knowledge, come regularly to the masjid, some of them who are learned people, and yet we show up to these places. Even if you don't host them, the fact that you show up to a, a, custom, a pure Hindu custom, tells us that there's something wrong in our deen. Flaws, that we can be bought. You just send me a nice card, I'm sold. Invite me to a nice hotel, I'm sold. A'udhu billah. Brother, we are not beggars. Alhamdulillah, all of you sitting here have enough, enough money to buy yourself a nice meal, and to book yourself a nice hotel room. If you ever wanted to. Right? What is this? So, but this is the idea of, like, you have to ask yourself, there's nothing more valuable than your time. And so if someone's inviting you, ask yourself, this is my life. Forget about that. This is my life. How is this going to help me in the qabr and the first land of the qabr? How is this going to help me in the akhirah? If there's no intizam for isha, no intizam for maghrib, and there's a completely mixed gathering, and people are dressed completely inappropriately to be as attractive as possible, and even if you're a married man or a married woman, your eyes will definitely follow, fall on not only unmarried people, but someone else's spouse. Yes, we know that. Who are we, who are we lying to? And a person may not say something, but it pollutes the mind. It pollutes the mind. And a person comes back changed by kawa, because he's been... He's allowing his gaze to roam around and he's seen things that he shouldn't have. Or she has seen things that she hasn't. 
And by the way, this is not a men-only issue. This is a big issue amongst women as well, guarding the gaze. This one looks more attractive than the husband. Of course, that's what shaitan will do. Makes every woman beside your wife more attractive. And every husband beside your husband more attractive. That's his job. So all of these mixed gatherings, when a person goes and, and, and attends, he walks in valuing his wife, he comes out thinking, man, this man, I saw 10 other women who are more beautiful. Subhanallah. So who, who, who missed out? Who, who is in loss right now? Three hours gone, listen to a bunch of gossip, maybe music also, and miss your salat with jama'ah also, and subhanallah, late for fajr, because you came back home late. And on top of that, oh, what about our unmarried boys and girls that we're taking with us? What about them? What's going to happen to them and all the unfortunate misuse of the eye that happens there? So now what happens is that when someone invites, you have to ask yourself, what is, am I going to harm myself? Or am I going to benefit myself? Can we help us sending a gift card? How about sending a big box? No problem. Do, yani share the happiness of a person. But a person needs to see that I cannot lose. The most important thing is you have to protect your own deen and dunya. You cannot harm yourself. Cannot. And Nabi Sallallahu said, the biggest loser is the one who ruins his, dun, his akhirah for someone else's dunya. The biggest loser is the one who ruins his akhirah for someone else's dunya. He wants to have a, a, a thousand people, or she wants to have a thousand people, the thing. So to make them happy, yani to make their dunya happy, I I know what I'm saying might be bitter to some, but you know what? That's, let's start being Umar. Radiallahu an. Okay? Start off, you know, charity starts in the masjid, right here. We have to start what needs to be spoken. This is what we need to hear. This is what we need to say. And, but I told you this has to be said with wisdom and hikmah. So now you don't say this to the individual who invited you, naturally. You know what type of setting it is. You know what type of in, in, uh, parties they host. So you politely say, I'm, you know, I won't, I'm sorry, I'm honored that you invited me. Lots and lots of love and du'as. And um, send them the gift before even the arrival of the marriage date. And apologize that you won't be able to make it. But they put a lot of pressure. What happens to all those brothers who host dini talks? What is the pressure there? <laughs> Ask anyone who hosts a dini talk at his home. Without even a flyer, he'll get 50 people. Even another 10 who weren't invited show up to the summer barbecue and, the, and, and, and whatnot. They just show up. And he just make it a dini talk in that. Khalas, he's, I've attended so many gatherings where the husband and wife have prepared so much food, ordered so much food, tens and tens of dishes. And subhanAllah, they're sitting there looking at the, at the door. I just wish someone walks in. I kid you not, I have actually been part where maybe one person or zero people showed up. And they're like, what happens? We, every single time we host a gathering, we have 20, 30, 60, 70 people. What happened? The thing is you brought deen now. People want anything and everything besides the deen. So now you have to ask yourself, what type of people are you hanging out with? If this is your group of friends, then what is the haqiq? Al-mar'u ala deeni khalili. A man will follow the path of his friend. We talk about children, youth, that be careful about your friends. But parents, I don't think, care about this too often. They don't ask themselves as a dad, as a husband in your 50s and 60s, who are your friends? Who are your friends? If your friends are the people who will not show up to a dini talk, do you really want to be with them? Because the Prophet ﷺ is saying, you will follow the religion not of your dad, not of your mom, not of your brother and sister. He said, a man follows the religion of his friend. Khalil, your friend. So be careful who you befriend. So this is the way to try it out. You want to see which friends you have? Tell them you have a talk and deen at your house, with dinner. See how many people show up. Those are the people you want to befriend. There you go. The rest of the 50, 60 people, they're toxic. They want just, you know, just jokes, laughter, nonsense, 
enjoy food. That's not brothers. If you want to be serious about the deen, that's what you're here for tafsir. This is what I'm telling you. We will never be able to move forward in our deen if we continue to associate ourselves with people who pull us down. Because mashallah, we gain some level of iman when we attend gatherings like this. And then as soon as Saturday night shows up, we're with that crowd. Friday night shows up, we're with that crowd, and they bring us down again. Whatever nur that we got from here, we lose it. Then you come back next Tuesday, if Allah give you tawfiq, many don't even make it back. They come once and khalas. The zulma and darkness of Saturday night and the weekend, sucks up. whatever nur was in them, they can't come back again. But those who make it back, they start from where? Ground zero. Bus. Every single week, we're starting up from ground zero. We're not making progress. Because of not what happens in, in the masjid, but rather what happens outside of the masjid in our social gatherings. Am I speaking the truth? Right? You can resonate with what I'm saying. It's a bitter pill. This is the bitter pill for the 18, 19 year olds. In the one year program, I was telling them this afternoon. I said, the khulasa of this one year, whatever, it may, whatever nur you gain from here, you will not be able to retain it. You will not be able, forget about moving forward. You will not be able to even retain it if you do not have a good circle of friends once you leave from here. You are only going to be able to follow the deen equivalent to the type of friendship you have. If you go from here and find better friendships than you had previously, alhamdulillah, you will continue your studies outside. And you'll become an amazing husband, amazing wife, amazing everything. But if you don't, and you go back to your old crew, within months, people will even forget that you spent an entire year studying the deen. This is what the power of friendship is. So brothers and sisters, this, this type of effort of looking in introspecting in our social circle is very important. Who are your friends? Uh, I remember my Nana's brother, Rahmatullah when we went to India when, in childhood, he told us a story. He said, you know, uh, you know, kids, they have a lot of, they say, Baba, I have a lot of friends. And so that one day, the story is that the dad said, oh, Berta, where are you? He said, I'm always with friends. I'm always with friends. He said, you're always with friends, but, and you're never at home. And who are these friends that you're always with? He said, I've got a lot of great friends. This, this, well, this example is so true. A thousand times more true now. So the grandfather said, uh, son, I want to see your friends. He said, okay, let's go. I, you know, these friends that keep you away from me all the time, who are these friends? I want to go check them out. He said, yeah, sure. These guys are amazing guys. So he took them with him. And so, as soon as he was walking towards, he went towards the first one. He knocked and he saw his, you know, he noticed his, brother, his friend is inside. The mom opened the door and he, you know, the mom is, says, no, he's not at home. He realizes the son, his own friend told the mother that, to say that I'm not at home. He goes to the next one. He sees as he's coming closer, he sees a friend from the backyard, take, you know, jumping over the wall and running. Third one he goes, he sees his friend standing, grabbing a motorcycle. And he comes back, oh bro, I'm very sorry, I'm very sorry, I just have to run an errand, I'll be back, huh? I'll see you tomorrow. So they went, four or five friends, by the fifth one, the grandfather or the father said, you know, this is getting pretty um, you know, tiring here, I have yet to meet even one of your friends. Every single one I'm coming across, they keep on leaving. He says, yeah, this never happens, I don't know what's going on today. He says, okay, I don't have, I'm not as lucky as you, who have boasting ten friends, I only have one. Let's go see him. So he took his son, he said, let's go see my friend. When, on the, as they were going towards his friend, before they could even enter the driveway or the entranceway of his friend's house, the friend came running out, all the way to the front entrance of the lawn or, or you know, the, 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 the area there, the estate. And he had with him in his one hand a gun, huh? and another hand a bag. And he said, Oh my dear friend, what has brought you to my house? And that even with your son. Here is my sword 
and my gun to defend you with my life. And here is my bag of dirham and, and, and coins to give whatever you need. He says, my dear friend, I haven't come to ask you anything. I've just come to teach my son a lesson. That if you have a friend, you have one like you. And you don't want to have even uh, you know, 10 such friends who when they see that you're coming with your father, they know that something is up and they're not there to help in the runaway. This is the condition of the friends today. I have 1,000 contacts on Instagram, 2,500 contacts on Facebook. Yeah, when you are in need, who's going to help you? No one. Who cares about your deen? Who cares about your dunya? Who cares about your depression? Who cares about you missing up in, in, in this and that? No one does. So relationships have become so useless today. The real relationship is you want to have someone who loves you for the sake of Allah and will put whatever he has on the table for you. That's what it is. So that is, our elders also need to have such friends. What kind of friend is there that doesn't mind you missing your maghrib along missing their maghrib as well? What kind of friend is that? That is a horrible friend. Who you say is your friend, but he's your enemy. He says he's a social, you know, he drinks in front of you. How could you ever sit with someone who drinks in front of you? Right? He has no regard for your Islam. How can we sit with anyone who openly speaks about his haram investments, about his haram things? When you listen to haram being committed, eventually the filth of this haram comes out of our heart. And we become, we become desynthesized to the filth and the evilness of these sins. So my dear friends, we need to find friends in this group here. Make your friendships based on the masjid. Make your friendships based on the deen. Make your friendship based on your connection with the deen. That's it. This is where you, you, find, you find women and men should connect themselves in the efforts of deen. Find people who are motivated to do the same. Where is your friend circle? In the house of Allah. Where is your friend circle? In the circles of knowledge. Who is your friend circle? In the seminary. Huh? This, is what, this is where we find our solace and comfort. No one is saying don't have a circle of friends. But have a circle of friends that will continuously remind you Beloved brothers and sisters, all of us should have a circle of friends that constantly messages us. Today is on Tuesdays, right? That person who, who messages you, say, today is a Tuesday night tafsir, let's go. He's your best friend. And the one says, let's go watch a movie. How can, you, how, can you be, how can you be a friend? A person who says, let's go smoke. How can you be a friend? A person says, let's go watch this, let's that. These people, subhanAllah, Allah says, friends will be enemies to one another on the day of judgment. All friends will hate one another. A guy says, Baba, I gotta go because my friend. I can't come for salah because my friend's dawat, etc., etc. These friends will be enemies to one another. All of them. Allah says, Illa al-muttaqeen. Except for those friendships that were based on taqwa. So this is the second attribute of the um, people of the believers. Who, the believers will be entered, entering into Jannah is those who will stay away from ghafla. The ones who are without stinginess are giving their due zakat in charity. Okay. Notice here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not say, Those who are spending zakat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Those who are doing zakat. Right? Fa'il. Because someone, if you tell him, donate, he says, Okay, I will donate. And if you tell him donate, and he says, I will do it. There's more emphasis in it. The doing part. That I'm going to do it. This is why some of the scholars says, Fa'ilun has been brought here. Not spending, but rather doing. To add more emphasis on it. 
Now in order to give zakat, a person has to earn money. Naturally. So earning money is not lagu. Earning money is not useless. Earning money is great. But what is the purpose of that earning money? This is the, the important point. That a person needs to ensure that he's earning money for the right purposes. One of the statements of the companions is, لَيْسَ بِخَيْرِكُمْ مَنْ تَرَكَ دُنْيَاهُ لِآخِرَتِهِ The best amongst you is not the one who leaves his dunya for his akhirah. وَلَا مَنْ تَرَكَ آخِرَتَهُ لِدُنْيَاهُ Or leaves his akhirah for his dunya. Obviously leaving your akhirah for the dunya is useless. But even leaving dunya for the akhirah is not best. Instead what? إِلَّا أَنْ يَتَزَوَّدَ مِنْهُمَا مَعًا Instead he should use them both. You be immersed in the dunya for the sake of akhirah. Be immersed in the dunya for the sake of akhirah. Because the world runs on money. Which world? Not only this world, the next world as well. If you want to give zakat, you have to earn. If you want to give sadaqah, you have to earn. It's all about what's the intention. So dunya itself is not madhmoom. It's not disliked. It's, but because dunya ends up harming people, most of the people do not know how to use it properly. That's why this is something called, this is why it's been spoken ill about. But dunya fi nafsihi, it's not a problem. It's how you use it. That's like anything of the world. But since the vast majority of people misuse it, that's why we hear about all the aspects of the dunya being wrong. فَإِنَّ الْأُولَى مَطِيَّةٌ لِلثَّانِيَةٌ For indeed that this worldly life, dunya, ula, the first life, is a step, to, it will lead the steps toward the hereafter. Based on how you lead this life here is how you're going to lead the akhirah. And dunya has a big share of it as well. Uh, one of the salaf, he said, المال صلاح المؤمن The wealth is a weapon of a believer. Just like you have heard, dua is a weapon of a believer. Wealth is a weapon of a believer. Okay? That if you have wealth that comes from halal, and you have the ability to spend it in halal, wow, that is an amazing, amazing gift. You may have heard the famous hadith, that there are four types of people. One is the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed him wealth, and has blessed him knowledge. One is the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed him with wealth and no knowledge. One is the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed him with uh, um, you know, none of them. And one is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed him with both of them. Okay, so the best one and the most luckiest one is the one who has both. He has wealth and he has the knowledge and the ability to spend it in the appropriate manner. He's gonna go way ahead. Then the next one is the one who has the knowledge of how to spend the money. But he simply doesn't have money. So he says, Ya Allah, if I had what this person had, I would have done what he is doing. فَأَجُرُهُمَا sawa, The rewards will be the same. Even though he doesn't have. But simply of him de- 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 uh, wishing that he had it, he, the reward will be there. That's, that's all you gotta do. Have niya. Ya Allah, if I had it, I would have done this. The next category is a, someone who has uh, wealth, but he does not have knowledge. So he has lots of money, but he has no knowledge and tawfiq and deen to spend it appropriately. So he spends it in haram. Obviously, he's in horrible shape. That wealth will become a burden on him. But then there's a fourth person who doesn't have the money, 
and doesn't also know how to spend it properly. So when he sees someone spending it lavishly, inappropriately, in a haram manner, he says, man, if I had that type of money, I would have also gambled it like that. I would have also spent it throwing a party like that. I would also spend it in an extravagant manner. So the both of them, their sin is the equal, same. He, look at how horrible this guy is. He doesn't have the money, but he's still getting the full sin, simply because of the intention. That is what you learn, the power of intention. That if you have good intentions, you'll get the reward without even having the means for it. And if you have bad intentions, you'll get the sin without even having the means for it. This tells you the power of intention, the power of the heart. Actions are most necessary. So we're talking about wealth because mashallah, a lot of young people want to make wealth. So now Islam doesn't come and say, don't, don't make the wealth. It's you have to make sure is that your heart doesn't, do not let your heart get into it. Just allow your hands to make the wealth. Do not allow it to pollute you. A person who is dealing with, he has a chemical factory, he has a gunpowder factory, he has whatever, some other type of thing, hazardous waste factory, you know, disposing it. You can make millions, you can make billions off of these things. But the very same thing, even an a ounce or a portion of a milligram comes into your bloodstream, you're dead. So you have to use it, you have to have factories, you have to have machinery, you have to have everything. You can make millions of it. But do not allow it to physically touch your body, otherwise you're dead. You're dead, you're gone. Similarly from this, you, making money of any sort is okay as long as it doesn't creep into your heart. And so by constantly giving sadaqah and zakat, as soon as you feel, I'm loving this, you give it away. As soon as you see that you're becoming too greedy, you give, 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 so that you don't get greedy. And you'll see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will keep on multiplying, multiplying. That's how you protect yourself. And having wealth is something beneficial for the Muslims. Sufyan al-Thawri, Thawri rahmatullah alayhi, great scholar said, he had some type of wealth that was someone gave him. Or he had, he earned it, whatever. Yuqallibuha, he was in his hands playing with some, you know, with money. And then he said, Lawlaha, if I didn't have this money, latamandala bina banul abbas. That the khulafa who, and the ruling party, if I can call it the ruling family, would have, would have literally made tamandala. What's tamandala mean? Tamandala. Tamandala means, it comes from the word mindil. What's mindil? Handkerchief. Handkerchief. The, <laughs> the ruling party would have made me into a handkerchief. Use me and throw me. Because I'm a scholar, they would have tried to buy me out. They would have tried to get my rubber stamp. They would force me to say, we'll give you 100,000 dirhams, come over here, sit with me. I'm the king and the khalifa, I just, all I need you to do, come sit next to me. The khalifa sitting next to the scholar of the time, it means the khalifa is on the haqq, on the truth. Why else would this great scholar, Muhaddis, be sitting there? Right? So he said that the, leader, the leaders would try to buy us out if I didn't have this money. What an amazing statement. So then someone said to him, Oh, oh Sufyan, dunya. This money is making you closer to the dunya. Why are you playing with money or enjoying this money? He says, He says, If this has made me close to it, to the dunya, it has actually protected me from the dunya. If this, dunya, if this playing of this wealth in my hands, this ownership of material, if it has taken me closer to it, which as you're saying, then in reality, it has protected me from the evils of it. Because now, if I have the dunya, it's under my control. And if I don't have the dunya, and I have needs as a normal human, de- a human being does, then what will happen? I will be controlled by other people. 
Hence that is why Some of the salaf Would really say that this is necessary To have so much wealth Enough wealth That you never need to Ever extend your hand In front of anyone else In another instance It's mentioned that Ittajiru Do business Ittajiru Do business فَإِنَّكُمْ فِي زَمَانٍ إِذَا احْتَاجَ أَحَدُكُمْ كَانَ أَوَّلُ مَا يَأْكُلُ بِدِينِهِ Such a powerful statement. Allahu Akbar. Do business, for indeed you are in an era that if one of you needs money or sustenance or food, the first thing that he will sell off is his religion. تم ایسے زمانے میں ہو کہ اگر تمہیں کوئی رزق یا پیسو کی ضرورت پڑے گی تو سب سے پہلی چیز جو تم بیچو گے وہ دین. You're in, living in such an era, the first thing you're going to auction off is your deen. So make sure you have enough in your account that you, Allah forbid, never be tempted to sell your deen. What amazing statements. If this were said hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, what about today? Right? Uh, and it's mentioned regarding... Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiallahu anhu. This statement... That it is not good for the one who leaves his dunya for the akhirah, nor the akhirah for the dunya. Instead, he should gather them the boat. For indeed, dunya will allow you to reach the akhirah. Do not become a burden upon people. Have enough money that you should not be ever going having to ask people. Can you please help me? Can you please help me? So, the young, youngsters who are, and adults who are in the business of trying to create wealth, Remember, stay and do, do well. But just make sure your intention is good. That the intention with this wealth is, I am going to take, keep my children and my spouse taken care of. I'm going to educate them with the best of education. I'm going to give them the best experiences so they become strong Muslims. I'm going to allow them to have such experiences that, of halal that they would never be tempted to enjoy haram experiences. Because you got to keep yourself busy. If you keep on entertaining them with halal, Keep on giving them good experiences. You have a you know, buffet of all halal. Why are you going to look towards the haram? Right? Hopefully. When you have all of this. So that should be the niyyah. The, <clears throat> the niyyah should be that a comfortable home. Take care of my parents. Take care of my siblings. Take care of my relatives. And of course, give for my own akhirah. So there's nothing wrong with amassing wealth. And spending it. But the thing is, the intention. That vast majority of people, when they get into it, unfortunately, the danger is like you're playing with fire that most people end up burning themselves. So we have to ask Allah Azza wa Jal to protect us from that. And I want to add at this point over here, that we talked about not being played around. And I just spoke yesterday to a couple people this, you know, who had come to visit me. And I said one of the key things about Darul Salaam, very important point, that you are all investors who are sitting here listening today, past, present, future. You're all beneficiaries and investors in Darul Salaam. Is that the, the institution must remain Free from the influence of money. Because they say money talks. And that's true. It has a loudest voice. Anywhere, anytime you see something in politicians changing their, their, you know, what they say, follow the money trail. Follow the lobbyist. They're the ones who call the shots. So in order for a, for a deen to remain firm and solid in any institution, we have to make sure that it's protected from tainted money. Protected from haram money. Protected from money with strings attached that are pushing that institution towards that which is against the sharia. You've heard me say this before. But maybe some of new people here haven't heard me say this before. So long term, what happens institutions 
or individuals who run institutions, they run short on funds. You know, you have a different economic crisis always happening. We're going to possibly going through a recession, all kinds of things. We see what's happening today. And people may not be able to give as much as, as they used to. When you're going through those type of recessions or economic downturns, you do not want an institution to say that subhanAllah, we need your money at all cost. Hence, even if you have uh, intentions that are not exactly pure, and an understanding of the deen that is not exactly in line with what we have understood from our teachers, we must take your money and change the direction and the course of the institution to be able to keep the lights on. Would you ever want that to happen here? You'd never want that to happen here or in any other institution. That is why it's so important, subhanAllah, to make sure our institutions become financially independent and are not dependent on a specific donor or a group of donors. Maybe you have a good group of dindar, mutadayyin, religiously minded donors now, but they're going to eventually pass away. What will happen to their kids? Are they going to be on the same page as their parents? We don't know. That is why it's so important for this institution and any other institution who wants to think in that line to have a very strong waqf and endowment which constantly generates income for that institution that literally they can last with a whole, not decade, decades or forever that we don't, our operations are not dependent on fundraising. You, there's, you know, no read. You don't want to give, don't give. The, op- the lights will continue to function. The programs will continue to happen. Employees will continue to get paid. The place will be, continue to be clen- cleaned. Life moves on. Yes, maybe for capital projects, large projects, you might need to do a fundraiser over a period of years. But if an endowment is really good, maybe you won't even need it for that. Endowment is basically you raise money, capital, waqf, which is an Islamic concept that mashallah the non-Muslims have taken it to another whole level and all the major universities of this country have very big endowments in the billions with a B uh, the larger universities to make sure that the profits of that it's invested in, in, in funds and in, 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 in mutual funds or any other type of hedge funds etc it's invested in real estate and invested in various financial products that give you profits and from that profits, you don't touch the capital. The profits are used for your operations or whatnot. And any extra profits, you invest it back again. And so over time, that investment continues to grow. So Harvard began with one scholar, one priest, and one businessman. I think it was $250. Right? He says, I have some money. Let me give to you. You're a, because Harvard was a madrasa. We know that. Harvard was a madrasa. It was a Christian seminary. It began as a seminary. That's what it was. Right? And then it became what it is today. Right now, it's hovering around 40 billion with a B. They're, they're not their budget, they're um, endowment. Okay? So the profits of that take care of that. So this, this, this um, Saturday's fundraiser, whether you're, you're going to be in person or listening online, I request you to please participate fully. Uh, it's called you know, patrons and professors because patrons are the people who care about long-term sustainability after you and I are gone of the institution. And professors are the ones you're teaching. Professors, if they leave the teaching and go earn and go fundraise, then who's going to teach? Right? So whenever I've asked to stand up and have to speak or ask someone to donate, I said, you know what? I'm doing your job. I'm not supposed to be fundraising. You are supposed to be fundraising. You're a businessman. You're a professional. You should be collecting this from your own friends. Say, brother, this is a check from 10 of our friends. Why, have I, why am I having to ask? My job is to teach your son, your daughter, yourself. That's what I'm there for. But because some people are not doing their job, all of this ends up becoming ours. So that should be our goal within the next few years, inshallah, that we have an endowment set 
that inshallah are 100% of our operations are taken care of from the profits of that endowment. Say inshallah. And then we lead the way that others are inspired as well to say this is how you have to do. Because these fundraising dinners, how long are they going to last? We don't know. The, naturally, we're seeing that the numbers are, are dripping, dropping. I've spoken to people who run different organizations, they say the same thing. The people, the way they used to give before, are not giving. And we, we all know sitting in this room that they're making than they used to, more than they used to before. The amount of children, youth, kids, bache, have, have, have gained so, so much wealth. SubhanAllah, it should be a huge an increase in, in the giving. We don't see that. I've talked to many people who are running different organizations, the same thing. What's happening? This is one of the signs of the hour. Yakthurul bukhl. That stinginess will become common. Love for dunya will become. Nabi Ali Sallallahu said that. Right? What I, I'm, not, I'm not scared of faqr. He said that. I'm not scared about poverty that you're all going to become poor. Mal faqru aksha alaykum. I'm not scared about poverty. I'm scared that dunya will be opened up upon you. You'll get too rich. Too rich. The way it was poured open upon the previous generations. Then you will compete with one another in amassing wealth the way the previous generations did. And it will destroy you the way it destroyed them. It will destroy you. There was an opening of a hotel this past weekend in the Middle East. $24 million was paid to one singer. 24 what? M with a million. Paid to one singer. To come for an opening of a hotel in a Middle Eastern Muslim country. What's going to happen? Money is there. Where is it being spent? It's, it's bringing our damnation. You know, we're being ruined. Subhanallah. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. No one will think. It's weird. No one will, think, no one will speak against that. But a person will say, Brother, why do we have to have an extra house for students? Why do we have to change the carpet of a masjid? Why do we have to? One, loc- one president of a masjid told me this. Of another masjid in, in our vicinity. He said, my people, I saw in the shoe area, there's one light bulb was missing. I said, brother, we need to change the light bulb out of five, one of them. He said, people came up to me and said, You know, we don't need the fourth, fifth one. Four, it's, it's a dead light bulb. Can I switch it? He said, no, we don't need to do that. He said, that's the mentality. That the masjid, anything spent in the masjid is a waste. And immediately, anytime you ask someone to give in the masjid, you know what they say? All of a sudden, they remember all the dying people in the world. But when they throw the $200,000 wedding, they didn't remember anyone at that time. When they drove a $200,000 car, they didn't remember at that time. When they live in an unnecessary expensive house, they didn't remember at that time. When they see people doing lavish other haram things, haram, haram, they never remember the poor and the dying people of the world. Only when you ask them to give sadaqah, all of a sudden they'll say, what about the poor people of the world? Why should we give to a masjid? Why should we give to a seminary? Why should we give to a madrasa? This is all shaitan playing his tricks. And you and I should know this. We should know it better. How to, a believer should not get stung twice from the same hole. May Allah allow us to understand the deceptions of shaitan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to see it from a mile away. And may Allah then give us the ability to protect ourselves from these deceptions. So zakat is something that will remove the filth and dirt from our money. It will also remove the filth from our heart. Allah says to Rasulullah sadaqa. Take from their wealth sadaqa. Right? So that you can purify them. وَتُزَكِّيهِمْ بِهَا And so that you can uh, beautify them and cleanse them through that sadaqah. Clear ayah of the Qur'an, Surah Tawbah. That giving sadaqah is a means of purification and beautification. And zakah means what? Literally, what does zakah mean? Increase. Alright? Right? So a person who is 
uh, increasing and purifying his a person is increasing his wealth and purifying his wealth all right a person is yani purification a person is purifying his wealth by giving and he's purifying his heart that's what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the prophet sallallahu alaihi so if a person is going through a sickness disease of the heart give sadaqah okay then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said another hadith he said that inna fil mali haqqan siwa salam that indeed there is inna fil mali haqqan siwa zakah related by Tirmidhi indeed there is a right in the wealth besides zakah yani people have a right in your wealth besides zakah it's not just zakah but if today if the ummah were to just give zakah the solutions would be solved problems would be solved yani if we just had the ability, if everyone would, would give their zakat. May Allah make us amongst those people who give zakat. May Allah allow our parents, our siblings, our, 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 our spouses, all to become amongst those who calculate their zakat meticulously and give it out. This is the reason, one of the big reasons where adab comes in. Okay, where does sadaqah come from? Sadaqah, zakat is uh, um, you know, purification. Zakat, sadaqah is, comes from the word sidq, truthfulness. So when a person gives sadaqah, he is being truthful when he, to his, he is, he is basically walking the walk when he says, of mu'min. He says, I'm a believer. Oh, what's the proof of that? I'm going to prove that I am a believer by giving sadaqah. Because only a true believer will have the ability to give in the path of Allah. Okay, you understand what I said? Sidq, sadaqah comes from the word sidq, which means truthfulness. That a person who is giving sadaqah, he is proving his truthfulness of the statement, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. That's what it does. Right? So, Allah Azza wa Jal says in Surah Al Baqarah, Alladina yuminun bil ghayb wa yaqimun al salah wa mimma razaknahum yunfiqun. Quran is a guidance for the believers. Quran is a guidance for the people who, who have three attributes. Or first three. Yuminun bil ghayb, believe in the unseen. وَيَقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةِ Establish salah. Number three, وَمِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ And they are spending from that which we have given. So this is subhanAllah, a very big topic that's mentioned approximately 70 places in the Qur'an. Uh, of sadaqah and zakat. And my beloved brothers, one of the morning and evening du'as is اللَّهُمَّ إِنِّي عَوْدُ بِالْهَمِّ وَالْحَزَنِ وَعَوْدُ بِالْعَدْزِ وَالْكَسَلِ وَعَوْدُ بِكَ مِنَ الْجُبْنِ وَالْبُخْلِ MashaAllah. Allah, I seek refuge in you from inability of doing things and I seek refuge in you from bukhl, stinginess. Allah se Any of us, if any of us feel that we are suffering from this, I'm telling you, this is going to destroy you. The Prophet ﷺ said, As-sakhiyu qareebu min Allah, qareebu min al-nas, qareebu min al-jannah, ba'idu min al-nar. A generous man is close to Allah, close to Jannah, and close to the people far away from hell. وَالْبَخِيلُ And a stingy man قَرِيبٌ بَعِيدٌ مِنَ اللَّهِ بَعِيدٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ بَعِيدٌ مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ قَرِيبٌ مِنَ النَّارِ A stingy person is far away from Allah, far away from paradise, far away from the people, close to hell. And ulama have said, if I'm not mistaken, this could be an athar as well, that stingy, this um, stinginess is such an attribute that it takes away the goodness of all your good deeds. You could, be, you could stand up and pray nafil salat al-fajr. But someone's outside the door said, Pai, can you please give me $20? You know, I need to get food. And he said, nope, I'm not going to give it to you. What happens? Who's, who's going to like you? And what is Allah going to say? 
The man spent the entire night, someone asked for $20 for Nope. So stinginess takes away the goodness of your good deeds. And, and what? Generosity covers up the faults and the evil of your faults. A man has horrible habits at night or day. But anyone who comes for ask, he gives, he gives. Imagine all the people that are going to bear witness on the Day of Judgment. That, Ya Allah, I don't know what he did at night, but please, he saved my day. He saved my life. SubhanAllah. So this is a, like we talk about other horrible sins like drinking and looking at haram, X, Y, Z, all these things. And we all make dua that Allah gives us the tawfiq to repent from that if we're suffering from this. I want you to add to that list from the Rasulullah's dua. Seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from what? From stinginess. May Allah make us an amazing, generous people that we spend with our right without our left being aware of it. Alright? Then, وَالَّذِينُ لِفُرُوجِمْ hafidun. Believers are the ones who moreover are vigilant as to the chastity of their secret parts. Yani they protect their private part. They protect, their, protect themselves from lustful desires being fulfilled in a haram manner. Except in associating with their wives or with whom their right hands right or whom of whomever their hands may rightfully attain to for then they are not blameworthy this is no longer applicable whomever their hands may rightfully attain to this was during war in the past when there was uh, 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 you know uh, 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 prisoners of war etc so right now the idea is that a person naturally allah knows that he has created within us desire lust but there's a place for that and that place is with the spouse there's a desire for us for money there's a place for that. Earn. Earn your own. Don't ask. Don't beg. Earn your own. There's a desire to be ahead. Be ahead in knowledge. You want to be on top? Be on top of knowledge. When you, Allah will lift those who have been given knowledge and those who have iman, Allah will lift them up. One of the tabi'een, uh, was it makhul or I'm not sure who it was, he was... Um, I forgot, one of the tabi'een, he was a freed slave. He was sitting by the Kaaba with his back to the Kaaba, his feet extended, and there was a line of people in front of him waiting to ask questions. The Khalifa came, he was doing his tawaf, the Khalifa came. He said, hey, there's, where's this line of people there standing? So he tried to get in line, he said, this is Fulan tabi'i. He's, he's people asking questions. So he tried to cut the line, he said, no, hey, bye. line in the back. <laughs> Go in the back. So when he saw this, he came back to the prince, his own son. He said, my son, you have to become a scholar. You have to become a top-notch. Today I have been taught that power and wealth and kingdom doesn't give you respect the way knowledge gives you respect. Look at how the people humbly, he didn't ask them, he didn't demand them to stand in front of him. They themselves came to him. And look at how they're sitting in front of him so uh, humbly, waiting, that even I was sent to the back of the line. That, that power and, and if honor comes through knowledge. And if a person does not have knowledge, you can be the wealthiest person. But subhanAllah, and I see this during the time of janazah, during the time of what you call wedding, how the wealthiest, the wealthy, the most powerful people, they melt. They don't know how to pray janazah. They don't know how to do, they don't know anything. Like, oh my God, I'll do anything, please, please, please. You see them in the most humblest, weakest position because they don't know anything about the deen. All their wealth didn't help them. They don't know what to do now. They're, they're blown away. They don't know what to do in front of the dead body. Alright? So, uh, make sure that our children are knowledgeable. And talking about janazah, make sure your son can lead your own janazah. Yeah. Think about that. 
You want your son. Abi who I you know, recently I was in a place, son came up to me and said, I want to lead Janan Salah. I said, okay, mashallah, you know what? Then the other, I was at traveling somewhere. They said, bye, please, Musab. Who is this guy? I don't know. We don't even know who he is. So then I was explaining to him, do you know how to do it? Right there in front of the mic, the whole crowd is waiting in Jummah. And he's like, I mean, he was like, it's like this. I'm like, oh, ah. Then I had to lead it. And I'm like, this, all of you sitting here, ask yourselves, if you have a son, is he in a position to lead Janazah Salah? Right? Does he know enough to lead? And if it doesn't, there's something, we need to change that now. We need to change that now. And before those who have not married, well, not plan from now. You want to marry someone who will then raise your children in a manner? That they will be able to lead your janazah salah. It's a bare minimum. Right? They need to know enough deen that they can go up there and properly uh, perform it. So Allah Azza wa is saying that in order for a believer to be successful, the lustful desires need to be fulfilled in the absolute halal manner. Whoever seeks intimate consort beyond this, then these are the ones who are absolute transgressors. They are transgressing amongst, uh, against themselves. Whoever fills his eyes with haram, Allah will fill his eyes with the charcoal of hellfire. The glance. The haram glance is a poisoned arrow from the quiver of Iblis. What does it mean, poisoned arrow? When you get hit with an arrow, you, you suffer an injury. Okay, but if it's poisoned, then even after the arrow is removed, the poison still continues to kill you. So that's what an evil glance is. That even if a person moves away from that scene, moves away from that individual, but because they looked at them in a wrong manner, in a lustful manner, it's very difficult to remove and erase the image from the mind. And the harmful effects of that image or that individual will continue to lurk behind in a man's or a woman's spiritual heart. And unless and until a person doesn't repent from that, he may be in sajda in front of the Kaaba on the 27th night of Ramadan, but it will be very hard to remove that thought from the mind. And the filth of that sin will continue to lurk behind and will affect a person. He cannot get spirituality if he looks at haram. Cannot. فَمَنْ تَرَكَهَا فِي سَبِيلِي Whoever leaves it for my love and my path, أَذَقْتُهُ حَلَاوَةً فِي قَلْبِهِ إِلَى يَوْمِ يَلْقَانِ I will make him, I will allow him to taste the sweetness of iman in his heart till he meets me. The person who guards his gaze, Allah will give him a sweetness of iman that he can taste. Today, a person cannot enjoy salah, cannot enjoy sajda, cannot enjoy dua, cannot even enjoy looking at the Ka'batullah. And why is that? It's because of the misuse of the eye. And Allahu Akbar, what should we say? We should cry tears of blood. That the haram now has become the place of ultimate grazing of the eyes on haram. Unbelievable situation taking place over there. So anyone who is going there needs to be extra, extra, extra careful to guard their gaze. Because the haram is a place where Allah doesn't just punish a person after committing a sin, as is the norm. Allah says, Even the one who intends to commit a sin, Allah says, indeed, we will make him taste a painful punishment. So making intention of haram in haram is something very punishable. So a person needs to realize that this is the beauty of this deen. There are laws against stealing and cheating in the world. There are laws against killing in the world. But you don't find a law anywhere in the world that is about controlling your gaze. Our deen has brought that law. 
that, uh, that men and women have been told separately. يَغُضُّوا مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ Lower your gaze, lower your gaze. This is the crux of the matter. That person who has built the ability to lower their gaze, inshaAllah they will not fall into haram. Notice the Qur'an does not say, لا تزنو, Do not fornicate. The Qur'an says, لا تقربوا الزنا, Do not even come close to fornication. How does a person protect himself from coming close to fornication? Is by lowering their gaze. And brothers and sisters, this issue is as rampant and relevant in women as it is in men. And so a person today with the YouTube, there was a time when people would listen to scholars, like, a, you know, like this, audio. That's how it was growing up. That's how we all did. All of you who, was, who were born before 2000, you know, that's how you all listened to lectures. There was, no, there was no YouTube. What happened? Now, everything changed. So you have women listening to men, and men listening to women, and also looking at them. So you have young, young, handsome, charismatic men, and you have beautiful women dressed you know, in, in, a, in a manner, very attractive, giving talks. And you have people staring at the screen or staring in a live audience. Allahu Alam, what's happening? A person is supposed to be listening to the talk of deen, taking, listening, allowing something to come into the heart. But when your eyes are glancing at someone who is of your age, or younger than you, marriageable age, charismatic, powerful, whatever the case may be, you're looking for, who is you know, dressed up the way they would dress up for their husband, in front of a crowd. And a person is sitting and listening to the talk of deen. Shaitan will not even allow them to think that instead of nur, zulma is coming to this heart. Because anytime you do something, if you say, Bismillah rahman rahim okay, drinking wine, liquor, is this haram? Yes it is. Is it an act of kufr? No, it's not. But if you say, Bismillah and drink, this is mentioned in the books, this is a kufr. A person misses his salah, doesn't pray, major sin, not kufr. A person prays salah without wudu for the sake of it, kufr. Because why? You're making a mockery of, of the deen. You're making a mockery of the deen. How dare you say bismillah and drink when you know this is haram. So a person who does haram in haram, in the sacred places, or Islamic programs, Islamic events, in a haram manner, we have mixture of men and women. You have men looking at women, women looking at men. Okay? Who are in what? As the Quran clearly categorically states in Surah An Nur that men and women separately addresses them. Most of the places, 99 parts of the Quran, 99% of the, of the Quran does not speak about addressing men and women separately. But here is one spot where the Quran addresses them separately and says, Men, lower your gaze. Women, lower your gaze. Yes, there are times when a person needs to, for example, engage in whatnot, something in a respectful manner. If a person can look down and speak, that's fine. If a person looks into the eyes of someone without, in, in a manner, in, in a, to a person that is not of, of a marriageable age, without a lustful glance, there's permissibility, possibly for that, yes. But generally speaking, what happens when you open the door? Who is sitting? You have a bunch of 20-year-olds attending. All 20-year-olds sitting there. And subhanAllah, shaitan works in a way. If they were sitting in public school, they know, brother, I'm a practicing Muslim. I pray Fajr, Isha in the masjid. I'm not going to marry a non-Muslim girl. A Muslim, a muhajjibah knows, I'm not going to marry some non-Muslim man. Yani a good girl, coming from good dini background. But when she or he are in a dini program, what happens? Oh, mashallah, everyone's a cute girl. Everyone's a cute, mashallah, marriageable young man. Look, he's sitting in this halaqah. So now this is actually possibly more harmful than public school or university. Because a person is like, he won't even allow that thought to come into the mind because it's all non-Muslims. What am I talking about? Man, I'm not, this, I'm not even going to go in this direction. You know, he might even for a whim come, but he says, I know, but my mom will knock sense to me, my dad will knock sense to me. This is not going to work. But now you have 50 girls or 50 boys 
And mashallah, now you have 50 to choose from. Everyone seems to be more beautiful than the other, more attractive. Trust me, even if they're not attractive, that's the job of shaitan, to make them more attractive. That that scarf, or that kufi, or that sitting in front taking notes, everything becomes attractive. And I'm telling you things that all the youth know exactly what I'm talking about, but no one is willing to acknowledge. But I, I'm not gonna beat on the brush. You, can, you know what I'm speaking is the truth. You know it, and Allah is my witness, you know it. But whether you acknowledge it or not is a different deal. And the ones who run programs, they know it too. They know it. May Allah guide them. But this is something, subhanAllah, that they're being misguided. May Allah protect us from this misguidance. It's right there in front of your eyes, but you don't realize that this is shahwa khafiya. This is hidden shahwa. Hidden shahwa. That a person says, tells a sister, oh, you know, let me guide, let me take you. You know, people come up to me and say, brother, there's a sister in my school who wants to accept Islam. She wants to teach classes. <laughs> she wants to learn classes. What should I teach? <laughs> that happens. By listen, you don't need to talk to her. Khalas, give, give the 800 number and move on. No, but yani, she, she learned about Islam through me. No, that was, khalas done. Your job is over. Move on. This is all what we call nurani waswasa. Called nurani waswasa. It's shaitan coming and presenting his evil thoughts in the form of a nur. Like nice thing. Like the story of Barsisa. We don't have time to get into that. But it just, he, this is his job. He misleads you step by step. He doesn't yank you into it. So when Islamic programs, Islamic gatherings, Haram Sharif, uh, things that are happening with the deen, when, they, when you start losing uh, issues, you know, I have shared all of this with my Asatida. And they're the worldwide famous Asatida. You know, scholars. SubhanAllah, even Mufti Taqi Uthman, you have discussed this with him. And SubhanAllah, they were, they were just absolute in shock and so upset and sad at the same moment that this is what's happening in our country. That when dini institutions, dini madaris, dini masajid, when something as basic, which 40 years ago, 30 years ago would never have happened, or 20 years ago would never happen, now becomes the norm, then we know subhanAllah, things are really going downhill. Because there's only a few places where deen is left. You expect deen to be in the wedding halls? We know that, they're not gonna be there. You expect deen to be in the offices? We know it's not gonna be there. Illa mashallah. The place for deen is at least the masjid, the madrasa, that's where it is. If the masjid and the madrasa also loses the deen, pick ya baqi rabai, what's left? That's what it hurts us. When the haram, you end up seeing things, it hurts you. Like, what is left now? Now a man has to protect their gaze in the haram, in masjid and nabawi, everywhere else. Allahu Akbar. So let us stop fooling ourselves. And let's ask Allah for guidance for myself, for you all, and for the ummah. That Ya Allah, on this issue of protecting from haram, may Allah subhanahu, all these scandals, say, scandal how did a scandal happen? It all starts off with a glance. That's the root cause of it. Where did these forest fires of all the California and stuff start from? One match. One glance, it all starts off. Be it a scholar or anyone else. It starts off with free mixing. It starts off with being, with joking, with laughing, without takalluf. There's no place in our deen to giggle with the opposite gender. There's no place in our deen to rub shoulders with the opposite gender. There's no place in deen to sit there and have a light conversation with the opposite gender. What is the MSAs have become? What are the university audiences have become? In the name of Islamic Islam, subhanAllah, we have completely, if, if the sad thing, if there's two non-Muslims or two Muslims who don't practice Islam, doing this type of stuff, okay. They're not putting an Islamic stamp. The sad part is we're doing it under the Islamic banner. That, you know, you know how that whole giggle and the laugh? Come on, we know all that stuff. Appeasing to the crowd, saying things to make the women laugh. I love the usul that I've heard from my teachers. When we went to go teach, open the, runs, uh, the girls' madrasa here, what did our teachers say? You can run it, but you have to be very careful. One of the things, the usul, they said, when you're teaching, don't say things that will make your students, your female students, emotional. Don't make them laugh, don't make them cry. 
Yes. They're very emotional. And this is from where? Hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. He was traveling in a caravan and there was one of the Sahaba was singing poetry. The Prophet ﷺ looked at him and said, Rifqan bil qawarir. Be careful with the pieces of glass. Kanch ke se You know, be careful. Because they, these women, they have a soft heart. Take it easy on your poetry there, your beautiful voice. You don't want to break them. Allahu Akbar. So when a person speaks, this is what our teacher said. You're speaking, make sure it's, 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 there's no uh, cracking of jokes unnecessarily, uh, flirting with anyone inadvertently. All of that stuff happens. Because what happens when you, when you deviate from your course material, and you throw in a joke, or you say something that makes someone cry, oh my God, this person is so pious. This person is so charismatic. This person is so attractive. Done deal. And now imagine you don't have a hijab. They're sitting right in front. And they're meeting with you uh, over a period of time regularly. What's gonna happen? I have had married people tell me, married men tell me, I am jealous and I have problems with my wife because she sits and looks at a certain scholar on YouTube and stares and listens to him with so much attention and focus that he literally stirs up jealousy in me because I've never seen her listening to anything or look at me in that manner. And when I tell her to stop it, she gets even so defensive. I have a husband come and tell me stuff like this. So we don't realize how much shar is happening. There may be khair, but a lot of small hidden shar as well. And this is the era as we move forward that the people who will be able to understand these fine points will start dwindling. And the people who will even speak on these fine points will start dwindling. And the people who will be accepting these finer points will start dwindling. May Allah make you and I from those few people. And the right, because there will always be a few people. But may Allah keep you and I from amongst those few people who see these and understand things. Whatever I've shared with you is not from my own. It's from my elders and teachers who've taught me whatever I've shared with you today. So if you accept the earlier part of the talk, then you should accept this as well. Because it comes from the same source. It comes from the same teachers. And we expect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is keeping them guided. That whole jama'ah, it's not one or two. It's an entire group of ulama who are, uh, who are following and repeating what our senior scholars of the past have said. But it's a tough time. So we have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to grant all of us firmness and understanding. And if I have said something to upset anyone, please forgive me. I am not uh, definitely, obviously Allah is my witness, I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I'm telling you, because you've come to listen, I've got to share what's, it's an amana. If I don't say it, who's going to say it? If I don't speak, who's going to say it? This is what you've come here for, to listen to what's the truth. So, you know, that's the reality. So this is the truth that I have been taught. And that's what I share with you. And so I ask Allah Azawajal to uh, create mahabba, love and trust within all of us. And may He connect, keep us connected with the righteous ulama uh, and, 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 the tr- and the ones who are on the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa till our last breath. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. We'll continue from here uh, next week. Um, uh, I know we should we take some? I know some brothers, they really look forward to the questions. So I'll just take a few, uh, few ones inshallah. Um, Alright, so here's a QR list. It'll take a few, maybe five, six questions, inshallah. Um, you can go to slido.com, 287-9017. I know we've spoken a little extra today. May Allah, please, um, may Allah reward you for your patience and you sat through. Um, additionally, this, the Tafim program has begun uh, two weeks ago. This is a weekend program. You can continue to um, benefit from that online, on-site for men and women. Also, our team Fajr continues this Saturday morning. We have an Uzbek breakfast. Our Uzbek community is, mashallah, bringing in traditional Uzbek food. And we're asking all of you to come and attend and enjoy the dhikr talk. Imam Zaid Shakir, inshallah, will be arriving Saturday morning. Bidhinillahi ta'ala. And he will be uh, here with us Saturday evening at the dinner, at the banquet. 
If you are off, uh, uh, you know, please join us. If you can, if you're in drivable distance, come through um, on Saturday evening at 5 p.m. at Shalimar and purchase your tickets online. Please do not wait for that day. We're hoping to be completely sold out, inshallah, so we don't have hopefully any reason to be selling tickets on the day of. So I, please, if you haven't purchased it, purchase it right now uh, for your family and yourself. And if you're not going to be present, we will, inshallah, uh, if you're from out of state, be tuned to the live stream link and participate at, uh, at whatever level you can on that night. Bismillah. How to redeem ourselves if we have failed at lowering gaze, indulging in lustful desires? You redeem yourself by doing tawbah, istighfar, making firm resolve not to go back to that again, and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, as one scholar, rahimullah, he passed away, not a scholar, but um, um, one of the, one of the uh, elders of, of Nilam al-Din, subhanallah, um, I'm forgetting his name, Professor Nadir Ali, rahimullah, rahmatan wasiyah, he would say that, he would say, by aankhon ki ghalazat ko dur karne ke liye, Subah utkar do rakat tahajjud ke saath Garam garam aansu bahai He said Shed warm tears To cleanse the filth and the dirt Of misusing your eyes With tahajjud This is the way to clean your eyes right? That's the bleach So uh, And then of course The phone is the biggest issue um, So this, uh, Mashallah today Someone just came Two people came today to me To the students And said You know can we give up Can we give our phone to you Or keep it in the office So alhamdulillah No problem That's great that's the best way to do it. Use a flip phone or just come to the office and call uh, when your home whenever you need to. Otherwise, just leave it there. There's too many problems with it. So even outside community members who want to benefit, you can come and leave it in the office. You know, pick it up whenever you need to, especially the youth. Definitely, this is the way to do it. And, and fathers, don't ask your son, oh, boy, why are you leaving your phone? Have some common sense. Right? He was trying to protect himself from haram. <laughs> they say, no, the fathers get mad. Like, ajeeb, what dunya? The kid is trying to change himself. Get him a flip phone. And, and you communicate with that. What if a mother is having irrelevant conversation with you? Do you ignore that as well? Well, sitting with your mother is ibadah. Right? Unless she's doing ghiba, then you can kind of change the conversation to something else respectfully. But just sitting there, listening is also beneficial. Um, you can do dhikr of your heart while you sit there in her company. What are the signs that you're stingy? Naturally, if someone asks and you have small things, simple, small, few things, a few dollars, not asking for huge amounts, a person just says, no, I don't want to give it to you. Right? As uh, uh, I often, a lady says, I often find that men dismiss and diminish what I and other women have to say. How do I make the men listen? Wow, I don't know exactly how to answer that question. Um, uh, the, no one, no uh, woman's opinion should never be diminished just because she's a woman, or and a man's opinion should not be taken just because he's a man. That's the, how it is. You have to look at the the, the strength of what it is. Um, look at the strength, not the gender of the one who's giving it. Uh, and so a person, I don't know exactly how to answer that question. Uh, maybe just add more proofs to it. Huh? Yeah. So a person who's got most taqwa saying, you know, is the one who's more, most honorable. But a person should not, uh, I, I guess, maybe come up with different ways of addressing that. Maybe have more, add more logical proofs to it, reasonings to why you are suggesting that opinion. How to stay away from friends who have a bad influence? Okay. Do you not all have someone who didn't pick up your phone? Yes? You call them, tell them, let's go out, nah, ignoring you. I'm busy, I'm busy. And then you realize, this guy doesn't want to hang out with me anymore. I'm not cool enough. And they moved on. And you didn't hopefully go after them. Same thing. You need to start simply just saying, I'm busy. I'm not available. And I know people who've actually changed their phone number. Because they just had to really start all over. So changing your phone number, constantly just saying, I'm busy, I'm not available, is great. 
Um, as part of protecting the gaze, is it permissible to go to a mixed gym at less crowded hours while striving to lower the gaze? It really focus. It just as you mentioned, if you are lowering your gaze, if you are listening to nasheeds or Quran while listening, while not listening to music there, and you are uh, going to a men's only gym or a time where there is really no other people, then fine. But you have to know really how honestly how how possible is that. Uh, what is your opinion when a scholar says mixed events is necessary to teach our youth how to respectfully interact with the opposite gender? I say that we learn how to respectfully interact with the opposite gender all day when we, when we go to school, when we go shopping, when we go to the office, when we go to the airport, when we... All the places, you just said in the gym, everywhere. We are we're te- being taught that when we're walking in the hallways through the classroom, lower the gaze, lower the gaze. If a girl needs to, you need to speak with her, or a boy needs to speak to a girl, vice versa, you engage them respectfully. Why is it that the only the masjid has to be the spot? There's no such thing as masjid etiquette, outside etiquette. Whatever etiquette you have for gender interaction is the masjid is exactly what you got to be doing outside. So you have 23 out of the 24 hours to learn that outside and practice it. Why is that one hour you're going to say you have to practice on that? That's the whole thing. A person's iman says, I want to have, I want to I practice a physical exercise. So, chalo, let's come for tafsir. All line up, let's do 100 push ups, and then we call it quits. There's a place for physical practice. There's a gym, go there. Yes, in the masjid, there's a gym. Go there. Go to, why is that the, out of all the places, the prayer hall has to be a place where you do physical practice or martial arts or whatever, especially when you have other spots? So, this, um, this is what my answer is that. What to do if you... The, some of the brothers asking many times a question, but your English is, I'm not sure exactly what you're trying to say. I think you're trying to say if a person, is, is, he needs to, his wife is in another country, and he's trying to go there, but he's not able to, is he sinful? So, of course, a person should try their best to live with their spouse. And for work purposes or some other things, they have to be separate. Then we should, every, every, as soon as possible, a person should definitely go visit their spouse. That's the rights of each other that we have. Our apps like uh, Moosematcher, Minder, Minder, not allowed to find a potential spouse. And the, uh, uh, huh? All right, so the, the, so, I mean, the, the, purpose, the purpose they were written, uh, any person could possibly find it. Uh, it's just, again, how, how it's used. Um, and I think most people unfortunately use it for haram. Uh, things to look for in business partners. What's the line of cheating someone's profit? What's the line of cheating someone's profit? Huh? What's the sign? Allah uh, uh, yani you can. What, what should you look in a business partner? You have to look for honesty, obviously. And uh, I mean, it's, this is the hardest thing. That's why you start off with some small business and see how they do. Right? Uh, and uh, as someone said, the partner, a partner should be such that you don't even have to write a contract. Right? But you will. But it should be such that even if you thought a contract, he would be going above and beyond to make sure he, fulfill, he fulfills your share. And by the way, just by performing salah, a person does not become honest in business. Unfortunately, we've seen too many such individuals who pray, etc., but cheat. May Allah protect us from becoming like, like that. Okay, is there a reason in today's era to keep gatherings or masjids uh, that don't have barriers if men and women stay, stay in separate sections? Okay, if a person is really staying in a separate section and they have complete separate entrances and there's absolutely no, you know, winking at each other, it's like the gym issue. I don't know. You see yourself. Ask yourself, is it possible? If it's possible, okay. The maqsad is not the barrier. If a person has a barrier and then he goes on the side of the barrier and sits there, what's the point? 
right? Purpose is not barrier. The purpose is that there should be no intermingling and, uh, and unlawful glances at each other. How are you going to, uh, what about matrimonial events? Uh, is, that, is that permissible? Well, if a person is specifically going with the knee of marriage, that's something different. If it's properly, properly done, that you have the profiles, you have someone going through all that, you figure out potential matches, you have AI helping you on that. <laughs> and then after that, then you go s- meet someone, that's fine. That's permissible. But just for the sake of just uh, window shopping, I don't know if you can call it, just say, oh, yeah, this is not right. Where to find a spouse whose heart is connected to the masjid? I mean, you have to find someone who, when, this is one of the issues, when you meet someone or potential, how often do you go to the masjid? Every girl who's listening to me, ask that future husband, how often do you go to the masjid? Right? And then ask someone who goes to the masjid too, by the way. Does he show up? You know, when people say, which masjid do you go to? Ah, I go to every masjid. That's a red flag for me, by the way. <laughs> because that means that no one, you can, no one, you're not held accountable of anyone. When you say, I go to XYZ masjid, then I can go and straight up say, does he come? Well, you should go to every masjid. What is that supposed to mean? Yeah, well, you go for a program to other masjids, fine, but you're regular. There has got to be one masjid that's closest to you that you go for Fajr, Isha, etc. I hang out with my friends on Thursday night purely for leisure purposes. Um, is this okay? Well, now you have, to, you have to change that intention. Even if it's fun, but if your purpose is these brothers are far away from the deen, I can't just randomly invite them for Juma or tafsir or etc. I need to befriend them. And so my purpose is to get close to them. That's the agenda. You gotta walk, you gotta be a salesman, basically. Every single person who's on duty at sales, he's, he's gonna make sure he goes to a place where he can make a sale. Otherwise, he's not gonna go there. So all of us are salespeople. We're da'i ilallah. Look at ourselves. Can I make a sale over here? Can I bring them at some? At the end, can I just say, hey, you know what, let's do dhikr for a few minutes. Bus. You know, Alhamdulillah, I'm going to be going for Isha. So if anyone's available, jump in with me. Maybe no one comes, but that's your goal. Your goal is to get people for Isha. As long as what's being done in that leisurely gathering is not haram, this is, this is okay. So spending time with family and friends is very good. But the intention needs to be proper. Okay. I mean, this brother keeps on putting a million times Last week too, this week Can Dia start a matrimonial service? So bhai, you come start it How many things you want me to do? That's the problem, right? Or you start doing tafsir And I'll start doing matrimonial service There's just the idea is We're doing ton, tens of things yeah, I don't have any problem with that I agree there needs to be something uh, Set for that But who's gonna run it? So if you, you want to run it, you know how to run it, if someone wants to run it, I have no problem. We are, you know, this is a need of the community, I agree, of religious-minded, like-minded people who are not going to say, I want a wife who is non-hijabi, I want a husband who is not too pious, who doesn't go to the masjid. So you don't want that. That's, that's what's happening outside. You want somebody, no, I want someone super regular, who is regular in the salah, regular in the deen, who studied the deen. That's what it is. And so alhamdulillah, we have these seminary programs, the one-year program, Tanweer Intensive, Tafim program. These are great opportunities for people, you know, I would say that for a person looking to get married, should look for someone who's in one of those programs. 
the seven-year program, the one-year program, definitely, that's my goal. My the desire is that people who do these sort of programs are able to find, you know, in, of course, not mixed over here, but we can take care of that. But someone says, fine, you know, I want a, a sister who's, who's, or I want a brother, you know, alhamdulillah. One father, one, one person came to me, mashallah, his daughter is married now. He said, literally, I came to the masjid, and I came before Asr, came before, uh, came before Salah, and I will look at who had the best Salah. And then I, I approached that family for my daughter. What an amazing, I need this story. And he got married, mashallah, they're very happy living together. Alhamdulillah, he said, I wanted to see which young man has the best salah. Yeah, so this is, this is uh, uh, I need something to keep in mind as well. Okay, we're done. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What is that message? Let me just read it. So we have a family uh, that is uh, asked us, they've done three khatmul Qur'ans. And they made dua for someone who's passed away. Uh, this is uh, Muhammad Shokat Ali. He was visiting India and was uh, set to return today. And he passed away uh, two days ago. So, please pray for his forgiveness. And so the family has done Khatmul Quran, three or three, four Khatmul Qurans. So, let's make dua. This will be Khatmul Quran dua for his maghfirah. And additionally, any and all those who have deceased, one of our Faruq Isab, one of the elders of Chicagoland area, the founder. And the, uh, of, of the Des Plains Masjid Many of you know him His wife passed away uh, Yesterday Or day before yesterday And she was buried yesterday So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, uh, You know What you call um, Forgive forgive her And, and all those who have passed away And um, One thing also I want to I, I say um, That you know If you are if you're listening online Or listening on site Some people left in the middle These things I've touched up at the end the very sensitive topics. And uh, Allah, Allah is watching you. If you cause fitna, if you take a portion of the talk, you, uh, you cut it, cut and paste, and you share with people out of context to cause fitna, this is what you call namima. This is the people who carry tales to cause, and Nabi said, the one who carries tales will not enter Jannah. Right? So make sure, I warn you from causing fitna. To say, oh, he was, spe- you know, Fulan, uh, in the tafsir, we heard you being called out. Absolutely, I'm not, I'm not calling out any specific individual or person. I'm talking about the condition of the ummah and the importance of us doing what's right. So you need to have hikmah. I told you, Imam Ghazali said, shaitan will make you so-called speak the truth. That's shaitan. That's not, in, that's not malaika who are encouraging you. And the, cause, the purpose of that is to cause fitna within organizations, within the masjids, within people. And the, mus- masjid, the Muslims got enough problems. We don't need you or I to cause a bigger problem. Our job is to highlight what's right and what's wrong. Now you have the wisdom and the tawfiq to do what's right and not to go on a... You don't have the, you, if, unless you're a scholar, you're not in a, in a position to be doing nahyan al-munkar, to prohibiting from evil. A person can say, well, this is wrong, we stay away. But we are not in a position to go call out people. Alright? Specific people. We've given you the usul, we've given the principle as taught to us by our teachers. Now you use that, those principles and you make the right decisions. You all understood that? Yes. Can we please move forward close together? Brothers in the back, inshallah. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah 
محمد الرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه
وترفعنا بها عندك على الدرجات وتبلغنا بأقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياة بعد الممات إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا حي يا قيوم اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا أفرغ علينا الصبر وتوفنا مسلمين ربنا أفرغ علينا الصبر وتوفنا مسلمين ربنا أفرغ علينا الصبر وتوفنا مسلمين ربنا لا تجعلنا فتنة للقوم الظالمين ونجينا برحمة القوم الكافرين اللهم مغفرتك أوسع من ذنوبنا ورحمتك أرجع عندنا من عملنا اللهم مغفرتك أوسع من ذنوبنا ورحمتك أرجع عندنا من عملنا اللهم مغفرتك أوسع من ذنوبنا ورحمتك أرجع عندنا من عملنا اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى من قول والعمل والنية والعمل والنية والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير ربنا لا تزق قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب يا مقلب القلوب يا مصرف القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مقلب القلوب يا مصرف القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم إنا نسألك التقوى والتقى والعفافة والغناء اللهم إنا نعوذ بالهم والحزن وعوذ بالعجز والكسل وعوذ بالجبن والبغل وعوذ بالغلبة الدين وقهر الرجال اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من فتن من من مضلات الفتن ما أحيتنا اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من مضلات الفتن ما أحيتنا اللهم جنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم حصن فروجنا اللهم حصن فروجنا اللهم حصن فروجنا اللهم حق دماؤنا اللهم حق دماؤنا اللهم حق دماؤنا اللهم اغفر لنا والمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات إنك سميع قريب مجيب دعوات اللهم اغفر لنا والمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات اللهم اغفر لحينا وميتنا وشاهدنا وغائبنا وصغيرنا وكبيرنا وذكرنا وأنثانا اللهم نحيت من نفاحي على الإسلام ومن توفيت منا فتوفوا على الإيمان اللهم اغفر لهم وارحمهم وعفو عنهم وأدخلهم الجنة اللهم نقي من الذنوب كما ينقى الثوب الأبيض من الدنس اللهم اجعل قبرهم روضة من رياض الجنة ولا تجعل حفرة من حفر النار اللهم لا تحرمنا أجرهم ولا تفتنا بعدهم وأبدلهم دارا خيرا من دارهم وأهلا خيرا من أهلهم اللهم إن كانوا محسنين فتقبل حسناتهم وإن كانوا مسيئين فتجاوز عن سيئاتهم اللهم 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 افتح لهم بابا من الجنة اللهم افتح لهم شبابيك من الجنة اللهم وسع مدخلهم اللهم اجعل قبرهم روضة من رياض الجنة ولا تجعل حفرة من حفر النار اللهم يا حي يا قيوم والله we ask you to accept the Quran the khatam that have been recited والله accept these three khatams ya Allah on behalf of those who passed away and especially brother Shokat Ali oh Allah we ask you ya Allah we ask you ya Allah to accept this gathering oh Allah through the barakah of the khatam grant all of us forgiveness ya Allah oh Allah we ask you to grant us the fahm and the understanding the true understanding of the deen oh Allah there is a level of deen that you want from us there is a level of deen that Rasulullah wants us to be at Oh Allah, we are far away from that. Oh Allah, allow us all to climb ourselves and bring ourselves to that level that is acceptable and not only acceptable, but that will be enough for us to get into Jannah. Oh Allah, save us from falling short from that level of deen. Save us from falling short from that level of taqwa. Oh Allah, save us from falling short from that level of sunnah. Oh Allah, we are all trying, but we are very weak in all facets of our life. Oh Allah, bring sunnah and deen in all aspects of our life. In the masjid, outside the masjid. In school, in offices, in our business dealings, in our social dealings, at home, with amongst 
amongst our relatives, amongst our spouses, parents, children, neighbors. Oh Allah, in all aspects of our life, allow us to follow deen. Oh Allah, allow us to be loyal to the deen. Oh Allah, save us from cherry picking the deen. Oh Allah, save us from taking certain things and leaving certain things. Oh Allah, save us from using our mere intelligence to understand the deen. Allow us to follow the deen as explained to us by the Sahaba and the earliest of scholars. Oh Allah, save us from falling to the temptations of our nafs. O oh Allah, make us amongst those who have all the sifat of the successful believers. Make us punctual in our salah, concentrate in our salah. Make us from amongst those who stay away from useless gatherings. Stay away from, Ya Allah, harmful gatherings. Stay away from bad, uh, toxic, uh, Ya Allah, uh, friends. Oh Allah, allow us to have the very best friends. Allow all of us to have such friends that will make us remember you. Allow our children and our grandchildren and our spouses and our parents and our siblings all to be surrounded by righteous, pious, good people, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow us to be surrounded by people who will remind us of you and remind us of the akhirah and remind us of the deen and will make all of us better people than who we are, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to save us from the influences of bad, bad people, Ya Allah. And, and those, those sinful people, grant them the ability to also, Ya Allah, repent. And allow, allow them to become extremely righteous, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, whatever mistakes we have committed by our eyes, by our ears, by hands and feet, O oh Allah, by our mind, by our tongue, O oh Allah, and in terms of our wealth, in terms of any aspect of our life, whatever major, minor sins that we have committed, we ask you to grant all of us forgiveness. O oh Allah, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, grant us the ability to truly repent. O oh Allah, make every one of us, allow all of us to look at our own niyat, and allow us to look at the wasawis of the heart. O oh Allah, allow us to be cognizant and aware of the waswasas of shaitan. O oh Allah, save us from being duped by shaitan. Save us from being misled by shaitan. Save us from becoming such who do wrong while thinking that they're doing right. As you have mentioned in the Quran, يَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ يَحْسِنُونَ sunah. That while they're misled, they're thinking that they're doing good. Hence, they never get the chance to repent. O oh Allah, save us from, all, from, uh, from ever being misled into thinking that wrong is right. And falsehood is truth. And haram is halal. O oh Allah, allow us to always remain steadfast to the traditional understanding of the deen has been passed down for the past 14 generations. O oh Allah, as understood and explained and preserved by the righteous ulama of every generation. O oh Allah, us to always remain steadfast on the deen that was followed by the sahaba. O oh Allah, save us from any and all innovations and deviations. O oh Allah, save us and our children and progeny from any and all isms. O oh Allah, shaitan is doing a full-blown attack via humans and via, and via jinn. O oh Allah, polluting the minds of young and old. O oh Allah, we have become so susceptible to turning against our own deen, turning our back towards our traditional values. O oh Allah, the condition is very weak and, 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 and horrible. O oh Allah, none can be saved besides the one who you choose to save. Ya Allah, do not allow anyone who has any connection with this majlis on any night to be deprived. Anyone who comes here even for a moment, listens to even one dars, sits for a few minutes, O oh Allah, in the past, present, or future, allow us all to become from the su'ada and the lucky ones. Anyone who enters this masjid, in any program, and anyone who enters in any masjid for any, any uh, duration, O oh Allah, we ask you to make them from amongst the su'ada and the lucky ones. O oh Allah, remove our names from the list of the wretched ones if our name is done there. O oh Allah, no one can save us from wretchedness and shaqawah besides you. O oh Allah, we ask you to keep iman and sunnah strong in our progeny. O oh all those who are of marriageable age, who are looking to get married, from your infinite treasures, provide for each one of them a righteous, pious, caring, and loving spouse, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, all those men and women who are trying to remain chaste, O oh Allah, assist them, assist them, assist them in remaining chaste. From your infinite treasures, provide for them, Ya Allah, avenues to remain far 
far away from haram and to allow them to remain clean and pure, Ya Allah. Those who are involved in haram, allow them to repent from haram. Allah, those who are married, Ya Allah, do not allow shaitan to have a share in their marriages. Protect them from the influences of shaitan. All those men and women who are fighting with one another, struggling and, and hating one another as shaitan is, is having, Ya Allah, field day with their marriages. We ask you to protect our marriages from the influences of shaitan. Oh Allah, strengthen our marriages. Oh Allah, improve the relationship between parents and children. Create an environment of love and muhabba between men and women of the haum, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow our sustenance to be halal. Allow, allow all of us to become generous. Allow all of us to pay our zakat. Allow us all to, Ya Allah, be punctual in all our good deeds. Oh Allah, Ramadan is only... Ya Allah, less than two months away. We ask you, Allah, allow all of us to start preparing for the blessed month of Ramadan by reciting Quran daily, by doing dhikr daily, by giving out charity daily, by being focused to welcome this blessed Ramadan. Allahumma barik lana fi rajaba wa sha'ban wa balighna Ramadan. Allahumma barik lana fi rajaba wa sha'ban wa balighna Ramadan. Allahumma barik lana fi rajaba wa sha'ban wa balighna Ramadan. Oh Allah, allow our upcoming fundraiser to be absolutely accepted in your eyes. Allow it to become a means of hidayah for thousands of people. Allow majlis of dhikr and ilm to invigorate the people. Oh Allah, and allow whatever sadaqah is being collected, it's zakat or sadaqah is being collected, allow it to be mubarak and blessed. And allow all the financial needs and the spiritual needs of Darul Salaam to be fulfilled. Oh Allah, protect this institution. Oh Allah, and all other institutions from the evil attacks of shaitan, from the evil attacks of nafs, from the evil attacks of hasad, from the evil attacks of sihr, from the evil attacks of the evil effects of our sins. Oh Allah, we ask you to protect this institution and all the other institutions, Ya Allah, through, through angels, Ya Allah, and through the good deeds and through the crying of the righteous pious ones, through the innocence of little children and to, through the barakah of elderly people, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you to protect all of our deeni institutions, deeni jama'at, khanqahs, masajid, madarits across the globe, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, there's no one besides you who can help us. No one besides you can protect us. We ask you to protect us, protect all the staff here, the volunteers here, the students here, the families of the teachers and the staff and the students and all the musallis and all those who attend any of the programs and all the patrons and the donors of the past and the present, Ya Allah. In the future, those who have passed away fill their graves with nur. Ya Allah, jo abhi khatm al Quran hua ya Allah. Muhammad Shokalit Ali Sahab ko iska pura pura ajar aviim nasi farma. Ya Allah, unke hak mein ye Quran Quran Kareem jo padha gaya hai unke khandan ki taraf se ya Allah, ya Allah unke hak mein kabool farma. Ya Allah, iska pura pura sawab unhe ata farma. Ya Allah, jitni misari duaein ki gayi hai unke ya Allah unke khandan aur isare dusre hazrat jo yahan baithe hain sun rahe hain ya Allah, isare duaein unke hak mein aur tamam dusre. Ya Allah, jin, jin, jin ka intiqar hua hai marhumin aur marhumat Ya Allah, unke haq mein itamai indama qubool farma de Ya Allah, unke qabron ko Ya Allah, jannat ka ek baag bana de Ya Allah, noor ke barish barsa de Ya Allah, sawal jawab asan farma de Ya Allah, unke tamam nek aamal ko unki hifazat ke liye bana ke liye ka intizam farma de nek aamal ke zari se Ya Allah, unka roza, unki namaz, unke sadqa khairat unka surah mulk padna, surah sajda padna Ya Allah, unke jitne bhi nek aamal hai Ya Allah, unke hifazat ke liye musallat farma de Ya Allah, unko qabr ke azab se bacha de Ya Allah, Ya Allah, qabr کو جنت کا ایک باغ بنا دے یا اللہ قبر میں جنت کی ایک کھڑکی کھول دے جہاں سے روز صبح شام یا اللہ جنت کی خوش خوشبو آتی رہے یا اللہ جنت کا بچھونا بچھا دے یا اللہ جنت کے کے نظارے ان کو دکھا دے یا اللہ ان کو جنت میں قبر قبر کے اندر یا اللہ ان کو سکون والی زندگی آرام والی زندگی نصیب فرما دے اے اللہ ان کے ان کے ان کے خاندان والوں کو یا اللہ ایسے نیک اعمال زندگی بھر کرنے کی توفیق عطا فرما جو ان کے لیے صدقہ جاریہ کا سبب بنتے رہے اے اللہ جتنے بھی مرحومین مرحومات ہیں یا اللہ ان کے خاندان 
والوں کو ان کے ان کے لیے صدقہ جاریہ کا انتظام ہر روز کرنے کا انتظام فرمانے کی توفیق عطا فرما دے اے اللہ صبح شام مرحومین اور مرحومات کو یاد کرنے کی ہمیں توفیق عطا فرما دے اے اللہ اے اللہ اور جب جس وقت ہمارا جانے کا وقت آئے گا یا اللہ ہمیں بھی اللہ ایمان پر ہمیں خاتمہ نصیب فرما دے اے اللہ لا الہ الا اللہ محمد رسول اللہ ہمارے آخری کلمہ ہو ہمارے زبان پر اے اللہ اس حال میں ہمیں اٹھا لے کہ آپ ہم سے راضی ہو اور ہم آپ کی جنت کا منتظر ہوں اے اللہ اے اللہ ایسی حالت میں ہمیں اٹھا لے کہ ہماری زندگی کا سب سے بہترین موقع ہو سب سے بہترین گھڑی ہو اے اللہ ہم سب کو شہادت کی موت نصیب فرما دے اے اللہ مدینہ منورہ کی موت نصیب فرما دے جنت البقی میں اے اللہ ہمیں جگہ نصیب فرما دے حضور پاک صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم کی شفاعت نصیب فرما دے اے اللہ حضر کوثر سے پینا نصیب فرما دے دائیں ہاتھ میں ہمیں اپنا نام اعمال نصیب فرما دے اے اللہ عزت کے ساتھ ہم ہمارا حشر ہو اے اللہ عزت کے لباس قیامت کے دن ہمیں پہنا دے اے اللہ صحابہ صدیقین شہدا و صالحین کے ساتھ ہمارا حشر فرما دے اے اللہ جنت الفردوس میں بغیر کسی حساب کتاب کے ہمیں ہمارا داخلہ نصیب فرما دے اے اللہ اعلیٰ مقامات نصیب فرما دے ہمارے والدین کو بھی ہمارے بچوں کو بھی ہمارے گھر والوں کو بھی اے اللہ آگے پیچھے ہمارے تمام خاندان والوں کو دوستوں کو احباب کو پڑوسیوں کو بھی اے اللہ ہم سب کو جنت الفردوس کے اعلیٰ مقام نصیب فرما دے اے اللہ تمام دعاؤں کو اس خط میں قرآن کی برکت سے اس مجلس کی برکت سے نیک لوگوں کی نیکی کی برکت سے معصوموں کی معصومیت کی برکت سے ان تمام دعاؤں کو یا اللہ قبول فرما دے سبحان ربی کلب العزت یاسفون وسلام المرسلین الحمد للہ رب العالمین امین وجزاکم اللہ خیر والسلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ Inshallah, tomorrow after Salatul Isha, we'll have our final volunteers meeting for the dinner. Please pray Isha here at 7.45 and join the volunteers meeting tomorrow evening here. Jazakumullah khairan.